0: Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude towards religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, He taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts
1: and Dr. John Bash. One of the pains of getting older comes in attempting to accept changes, even embrace changes rather than staying stuck in the old ways and acting precisely like the old people at whom you used to roll your eyes. By allowing myself to be stereotyped as an old curmudgeon in the introduction to this show, I guess I've admitted that I don't intend to bend over backwards to embrace the latest trendsetting fashion. Perhaps the most difficult of all changes for me are those that come into the world of ideas and language. I I knew I was in trouble last November when the Oxford University Dictionary changed the definition of the word woman. Really? How am I to talk if you change the meaning of words on me? This is starting to sound too obtuse. Take the time to watch the 2019 movie entitled The Professor and the Madman with Mel Gibson and Sean Penn. The meaning of words does matter. And it helps as we try to understand and navigate the world around us, not to mention relationships in this world. Now I can admit to being a bit pedantic about some things. And I know for a fact that our special guest today can be, but at some point I have to put my foot down and scream, this matters. It isn't just words. It's words. Have I lost you yet? Let me give Mm -hmm. you one example, one word and then see where it takes us, ready? Truth. What does the word truth mean? Growing up, I learned that everyone could have opinions, some more right than others, and the essence of a good conversation was exchanging ideas to learn and be influenced by others. All decent people were seeking the truth, so such discussions were outstanding. But something happened. Somebody switched the definition of truth with opinion. Instead of the truth, people were talking about my truth. If I try to explain my confusion any further, I'll confuse myself. So today we have as a guest the author of <laughs> Lifestyle, a biblical philosophical study of Christianity and the culture it produces. Maybe he can help. From Western Ohio, <laughs> welcome, Dr. <laughs> Richard
2: Canodal to Church Hurts and uh, I doubt I can help, John. Um... <laughs> I, I, I can move my mouth, but help comes from the Lord in, in, in a very, very deep and serious way.
1: Well, Dick, how did you get to the place, um, how did we get to the place where truth started to mean something other than truth? You have your doctorate, and, and I get
2: all confused by this. So how, how do we get from truth to opinion? Uh, well, in, in our ages, it's simply been the passage of time and um, philosophy has gone, it's, it's headed more and more in the direction of vocabulary and, and, uh, and language. Even when, when we were younger, they didn't really have a view of truth either, but at least they would talk about it. But um, latter half of the 20th century, <clears throat> 21st century, uh, everything is language philosophy now. And uh, w- what do people mean by the words, even though the words don't have real meaning?
1: You, I've, I've titled the show Extreme Truth because, to be honest, in my <laughs> life, um, you really are, to the average person, you are really extreme in what you think truth is. Um, in a whole lot of ways. And and you're not shy about some real controversial issues. You, hold. Oh, I'm going to get to some of those issues. Um, <laughs> but you usually you think a lot of your views are based in truth rather than just your personal preferences. You know, would that,
2: would that be accurate? That's that's 100% accurate. And uh, I've had a number of conversations about that with friends and I I also work as a chaplain, a part-time chaplain, one of the hospitals, and so with my superiors there, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit bewildering to them to be talking to me, and at least what what they say to me, it's bewildering for the, I can tell it's bewildering for them that they 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 think this guy really believes this stuff, and uh, and I think I think well what's the alternative I just <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I think I think most people believe that their beliefs come from their experiences and their story. So let's at least put you in context. Uh, tell me a little bit about what your life was growing up. Uh, what kind did you grow up in a church home? What was it like?
2: Uh, I grew up in a church home, but my parents were a good bit more conservative than the church was. So the church, I grew up in the United Presbyterian Church. It was a very liberal church, but they—they they, their pastor was a man named McConaughey, and he was, he was an older man when I was a child. But he represented uh, Presbyterianism in the 1930s, roughly the time of J. Gresham Machin. And so he had seen all of that life experience, uh, all that uh, which was very different, very different than it was even at the time. And in the in the 19, I was born in 1948, so these would have been the 1960s. And uh, he was uh, he was a very a very old man then, and uh, but he represented. So that they, that my parents really believed in prayer. Uh, they really believed in Bible reading. Um, but the church was way beyond that. They, they simply believed that as long as the ministers kept talking about Jesus that it was the same Jesus about whom they had faith.
1: You got Presbyterian he sounds like Scott was that a Scottish name there?
2: Yeah uh, well Scottish yeah yeah and and, and 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 then but my my area was very very secular but we were, was upstate New York and um, I mean when I became a Christian, I I was I belonged in a class of 700 students. And when I became a Christian, I asked around and I found out that there were only four other students out of that 700 that would would believe the same things that I started to believe then. So it was like I just came from one age into another by the whole, basically by the Holy Spirit.
1: All right. So you talk about becoming a Christian as different from just going to a church. And in my experience, that's a big category where people go from kind of a church kind of faith to a personal faith. And you're saying only a handful of kids that you knew kind of made that transition where they said, Oh, this Jesus stuff is real. It's just not part of my family tradition. How did that happen?
2: Yeah. Well uh, I I went away to college and I was, uh, in my in my secularism, I was looking for nir, nir, a kind of nirvana. Went down to New York City to Adelphi University, uh, um, uh, Garden City, Long Island. After a semester, I realized that I really enjoyed college, but it wasn't it wasn't any higher plane. My my high school teachers had really were really used by God to plant this idyllic view in my mind. So I went away looking for that I, ideal, and I uh, didn't find it the first semester. So I began thinking, maybe I should, in my hubris, give the church another chance. <laughs> so I, I considered transferring. I, I ultimately did transfer. In the spring, I, I accepted a, uh, a provision from Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. I'd never seen the place. That, that happens to be the school that you went to. That's where we met. And, but I just thought I am just going to try to give the church or give the God of my parents another chance to sort of put things together for me. I was really looking, I, w- I was at the beginning of my life and I had a sense that I didn't have life together.
1: Um, so let's go, but let's go back to the God of your parents just for a second, because I think we, in church hurts, you know, we really kind of, we, we like to be honest about the reasons church hurts. And one of them is people watching the church change over time, they say that was truth, and now they're saying this is truth. But um, for some people, you know, to go back as far as your parents is a long way, so three generations away. Just tell me about how they met, though, because your dad really wasn't the godly one of the two,
2: was he? <laughs> no, the, the, they, their family went to an Episcopal church, which was less evangelical, and um, the, but they, um, they met. It's the really bizarre circumstances. They met in a shooting gallery, but it was in the basement of a, a Presbyterian church in Albany, New York. Now, I that just cracks me up. If you can imagine a, a Presbyterian church today sponsoring a shooting gallery in the basement, and this was common, of course. This this was back before World War Two, and um, culture was very different back then. Uh, guns were much were were not the uh, if I can say explosive, the political thing that they are today. They met there in the shooting gallery, and uh, it was a pretty conservative PCUSA, UPCUSA church at the time. But uh, I don't know if that's if that answers your question.
1: Yeah, well, you're dropping initials, and, and we have a lot of people who are oh, not church oh, people yeah. who listen yeah, this. Yeah. So let's just say we're talking about typical in – in uh, our lifetime, we've seen the big divide of what they call mainstream churches that pretty much as a whole have gone in, in much more of a liberal direction. And you ended up going so much the, in reaction to that. You not <laughs> only became a Christian and you became a Presbyterian pastor, but then you kept going down. And I can't I can't even say all the initials in the church that you. Uh, I want to I'm, I s- jump ahead you became a pastor, you plant a couple of churches, you're in the middle of Virginia, your church is growing. So here you are, you're not just a pastor, you're actually starting churches in a a time when basically the trend is going the other direction. And life was just good being a churchman
2: and believing in Jesus. Everything went great, right? Well, Lynchburg turned out to be kind of an explosive situation. It was a very conservative town but uh, i i joke about it that there were two pastors down there jerry falwell and me and of course people have heard the heard of jerry but but not dick uh canola but he called me his presbyterian friend because as soon as i got down there there was some hot political potato that was on the table and he and and all the all the liberal guys in town were piled up on falwell and i thought well here i am a presbyterian and i agree with falwell on this so i'm gonna go in the paper and write an editorial supporting him. And I thought that would be, that would promote a lively discussion. Well, I didn't realize anything about the politics of the Southern town of Lynchburg at the time. Uh, that was just about gold for Falwell. And a- ever after that, he, he, he wanted to meet me, call, called me his Presbyterian friend after that. My, my son, Rich, uh, he, he became a policeman. He ended up being uh, one of Falwell's bodyguards on the Lynchburg, um, on the college of the Liberty University college uh, police force so there are just a lot of a lot of things happened in between there that um that were funny because of Falwell and
1: and for uh, a lot of people that is not a, a credential you know they say Jerry Falwell approved of you they're going to say oh we got to turn the guy off he really must be extreme to the right and that's yeah. why church hurts is because of people like Jerry Falwell yeah and, and yet he he gave his endorsement of of you, which is pretty, which really is pretty fun. If funny, if
2: you know the rest of who you are. Yeah. But I wrote many- a, I, I wrote an article in the, in one of the reform magazines and back in those days called, it was titled a, F- a Calvinist in Falwell land. And one of the, the prize sentences of that was, I said, the more we talk about politics, the more we agree, the more we talk about religion, the more we disagree. <laughs> so This is for two clergymen, you know, so it was, it was really funny.
1: And for a lot of people, this discussion is part of just the church hurts. They hate the politics stuff. They hate the mixing it, and they hate all the differences. You, you got the Reformed this and the Baptist this, and you got all those names. So I want to get to something real here because something happened in your life. You guys were, were praying about having another child and adopting a child years before that. Mm-hmm. and and you really thought god had answered your prayers T- tell me about that experience
2: well it was an it was a, an idealistic stage of our lives we were just we were a young couple in our 20s and we thought why should we have more children than th- when there are already ch- unhappy children abandoned children in the world at this time so we we thought we would pick up one of these little abandoned kids and uh, and then maybe have some more of our own after that so we ended up adopting a child uh, from columbia and we actually went down there we lived down there for about a month and um it was it was great fun we we, we uh we went we thought we were going to get a little girl because we had uh, a boy at that time uh, but uh, we ended up having all we had no one more child after carl uh, christopher so rich rich carl and christopher and, um, but um, we, we ended up not having a choice in <laughs> God's, God's for the nation. I guess he wanted us, us to have boys.
1: But Carl was a lot of fun, and Carl was a lot of work. And mm-hmm. he had his own demons. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, almost, uh, when, as soon as we got home, there were there were signs that manifested themselves very quickly. For instance, he had really, he was mostly Indian. In in Colombia, you have um, three different races represented, uh, blacks, whites, and Indians. And then there's the intermixture. The more toward the interior you get, the more the Indians would, the Indian race, the native race in that area would manifest itself. So Carl had this very straight jet black hair, very thick. First time we bathed him in the tub, Susan calls me into the bathroom. She says, Dick, you need to see this. So his head was wet, and, and you could see through the hair, and all of a sudden you could see all of these scars in the top of his head that you couldn't see. And so we knew that he'd been severely beaten as a little. We got him at three years old, roughly, and so before three, he had all of these head scars. It, was, it almost uh, almost brought us to tears immediately. And then uh, we we saw a lot of behavioral characteristics that you know we knew the things that he he was not normal in the in in, a, in, a, in the sense of just a naive child i had him on my uh, balanced on my hip and my right leg going up the stairs of the manse at that time and my i had a little office under one underneath the uh, the eve of a roof and i'd hung a light bulb off the top of the roof or under the un, underbelly of the roof hang, hanging over the desk so i've got him on balanced on my hip and we get to the desk, and I'm and looking for some papers. He reaches out before I could say anything and grabbed the light bulb with his bare hand, pulled it, back, <laughs> pulled it back right away. Not a sound. Carl did not show any signs of pain, which is, of course, that's indicative of a certain psychological awareness or a, a bent of behavior. So then the next thing I know, he's taking his other little hand and pushing it beside my head toward the light bulb to see if when my face hits that bulb, if I'll react the same way that he did, you know? So it's just a little three-year-old tyke, you know, but we, we knew right away. I mean, he didn't show pain. Um, then when he feels pain, he wants to see if you'll feel pain. <laughs> That's uh, it's just not normal. And so, and then that abnormalcy manifested itself throughout his life. He didn't, he really couldn't internalize uh, other people's affection. You could, you'd love him. You'd, You'd hug him and that's, but he didn't really didn't feel that in his heart. And so he grew up very, very lonely. And there, there were the, the, it's it's terribly damaging to be that lonely in life.
1: The end of that story is sad.
2: Yeah. He's mid thirties. And we had been afraid for years that we were going to get a call someday from the sheriff or the police department that he had killed himself. And we did one day and uh, he was in his uh, mid thirties. And it was a sheriff, and he's you know just gave us the word. I'm sorry, Mr. Canole, to, to tell you, but your son has committed suicide. And beside 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 his body, there were two contraries. There was an open Bible, and there was a revolver with a spent cartridge in it. And Carl was gone. So um, we had we had challenged him repeatedly throughout his life. I mean, we just prayed and prayed and tried to. Get his attention because we just knew that he he just needed help and uh, it was beyond what we could give him because it had to do with him and his own heart and what he felt and we thought we, we knew that god could make these basic changes in a person but he's about the only one that's for fundamental for changes that fundamental
1: you know dick no matter how strong you believe no matter how strong any of us believe those kind of things has have to cause you to pause and you Mm. you have to make sense somehow of your faith in light of the reality of a very rude world don't you
2: yeah um you know you you, and that's uh, things like that you either take the bible's representation of reality or you take another another view of reality that something that you might come up with in your mind something that other people come up with um this this business of evil you know it it comes from somewhere well if without without the lord i don't you really can't even tell what what is evil you can't that that word itself is beyond description because to describe evil you've got to have some view of the good and uh, if good is the result of my opinion or group opinion, it's not really. It's not really good. It's not really evil. It's just. A, it's just the way the animals are snarling or the, or snorting on a certain day. Uh, animals without any reason who are on some celestial speck in the sky, you know, and so. But if you if you accept the Lord in His definitions, well, then you can have a real value system, and a reality that spins out from that.
1: I wanna hear another story from you, but before I do, let me just take a break to mention uh, Standing Stone Ministry. Uh, Standing Stone cares for the frontline workers in the spiritual world, ministers, missionaries, recovery specialists. We provide an arm to lean on, an ear to listen, understanding from experience with unceasing prayer. This is all done with no cost to those Standing Stone Uh, working with Standing Stone Shepherds because of your faithful gifts. I am one of those shepherds who depends on your support. And so we would humbly ask you to consider giving today. Just go to churchhurtsand.org, click on the donate button, and find out how you can help today. And then please prayerfully consider marking that box, which asks if you want to make it a regular gifts. Your gifts mean more than you know and we promise that we will squeeze every penny. You know, Dick, as we're talking about these things, um, I think, and just having said that about Standing Stone, as I work with pastors, one of the things I find is the pain they go through themselves sometimes is the exact thing that gives them power in helping others in hard times. I had a one-two punch Um, tell me about the other experience in your life, which really was a sobering one.
2: Yeah. Before I do though, though, let me give a plug for standing stone because I, as just as you were mentioning that, John, I thought, wow, there's a a pastor that I know right now that, uh, really needs to at least have that as an option. So I'm, I'm going to just wrote a note to myself. I'm going to send him, um, a recommendation that he might use you as a resource because, when these things happen in our lives, uh, there aren't there are not a whole lot of people that you can turn to. And, so um,
1: true.
2: So so yeah, yeah yeah the the one two punch the Carl uh, Carl um, killed himself in about two thousand twelve, and um, this other incident happened in nineteen ninety, and it was an accident that we had on the way to church camp. I was. I was taking junior high kids to church camp in our van, and um, um, Carl was driving, and um, that was another antecedent cause that led, I think, led to his depression. That then, the nineteen ninety to two thousand twelve, uh, that, so that's about uh, twenty years for him. But um, this this van crash was just terrible because it was just a typical drive to camp with a, with a church. We were trying to help the students, these junior high kids, get to a camp in Pennsylvania from from uh, Central Virginia. It happened at seven thirty in the morning. It was light, there were no uh, no rain, no problems. It just that Carl nodded off for just a moment at the wheel, and um, uh, our right wheel then. Um, or our left wheel. I guess the, the 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 van started off the road. I heard gravel under the. Uh, I was I was uh, sleeping in the front seat. Uh, heard gravel under hitting the bottom of the car from the, the right wheel, and at that moment, almost immediately, the left wheel caught the the guardrail along uh, Route 81, going up through central or central Virginia, but a little bit more north of Lynchburg we went down this long ravine the, the the van uh started tumbling over and over and um two of the two of the kids or two of the girls and uh, they were amongst the best kids that i'd ever i've ever known uh but they didn't have their seat belts on and um so they got flipped out flipped out of the van and um and uh, ended up uh, dying there and so you know i went from sleeping peacefully in the in a car seat to having to call two parents who i loved two sets of parents who i really loved and and tell them that there we'd <laughs> we'd had an accident and uh, both of their children were dead and you can see it it just affects me even to this day i just I've never been able to uh, get over it and um, but I, I looked at when it happened, I got, I got out of the van and tried to take a, a meeting, uh, an instant recollection of uh, or evaluation of what everything looked like. And um, I could see a couple of, uh, well, uh, the two kids that got thrown out of the vehicle, I could see them quickly. And then I just uh, looked up into the heavens and I said, I know, Lord, that my life will never be the same. Be my God in the midst of this, and help us to get through. And then I started off. I gave one of the kids, uh, our, I, I could see that one of them was deceased already. I, I ran to the other. I thought she was still alive, but she was actually just having what I know now are death gasps. I gave her CPR for about half an hour because we would, we we had gone down this into this gulch, and nobody nobody even knew we were down there for a while. the, the, the couple of the boys, one of them being my son, ran up to uh, 81 and tried to flag people down, finally got somebody to stop. And this was before cell phones. So uh, I didn't have a phone to call, but somebody, somebody did have an early phone they called. And so, but it took a, took took quite a while for the police to get there in the emergency vehicles. Uh, But it was, uh, it was devastating.
1: Dick it's those kind of things where people are just waiting to hear Romans 8, 28, or, you know, I mean, all things work together for good for those who love God. And you want to curse. You want to say that that's not true. And you believe the Bible's true. And yet, man, that doesn't seem like anything good sometimes. And if there's a God, how can he allow such things to happen? Tell me, about your extreme truth when the extreme in the other direction seems like extreme madness occurs.
2: Yes. In the book of Job, uh, one, of the, one of the real themes of Job is that Job went through these terrible circumstances himself where most of his family was killed, and he, he went from being a very rich man to having everything destroyed around him. And yet he refused to curse the Lord. And he said, uh, uh, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And when when you think that, when you can say that God is good, when he's devastated your life, that is the essence of faith. Uh, Because you, you don't say that just because you're suggesting it or you're trying to get yourself to believe it. You're saying that because you really feel it, you really believe it psalm 107 is like that too over and over again there's the, there is the refrain oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever and the psalmist that, that's repeated i think seven times that's not stupid the 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 psalmist knows all about these things david was one of the most prolific of the psalm writers and He lost a child. Uh, He had sinned with Bathsheba, had Uriah killed. So he was was well aware of reality and how sin can skew our lives right to the death. But uh, experientially, you can, and, 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 and seeing the word of God, you can come to that place where you really trust the Lord, despite his negative providences. And there's nothing more negative than losing a child, just having your life turned upside down. The, the special grief for me was that I, I just had done everything in my life to that point to try to help other people. That was one of the reasons I was in the ministry, wanted to help other people. And here at that point, though, I had been an agent for the death of a child and that twice over. So it was just devastating to me. I, I, I couldn't drive for weeks. And when I went out finally and drove the car, uh, I couldn't drive the speed limit. I just uh, I felt so totally conflicted. But I did know that God was good. I never had any doubts about the Lord, uh, despite the confusions of my providence.
1: You know, Dick, I should have known it was going to go like this. We barely scratched the surface and, and our time's up. It just, it seems to me that what I'm hearing is, your belief that God is good was not going to be shaken by the craziness of the world that we live in. There's a time when all this is going to be put straight. And if we don't believe that, then this is really a mean, mean place to live. Uh But let me at least let you let just turn and, and though it's so heavy, it's hard to do, but let me just turn for a second and mention as you navigated those waters and you helped a lot of people by navigating it honestly and really, and not sticking your head in the sand, but you recently had kind of the joy because I introduced myself as an old curmudgeon. You're older than me. And you mm-hmm. got to the place that you actually shot your age on the golf course. Uh, give me the one minute joy of that.
2: Ah, uh, well, uh shooting par golf is, is very hard really. And, um, and I just, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. I I knew as you, the older you get, you get uh, the par golf is 72. So the older you get, when you get into your seventies, then, and above your seventies, then it's easier and easier to shoot your age. But of course you're physically you're deteriorating. So there's two vectors that are going and they cross somewhere. But I was, I think I was 71 70 or 71 and um i was off on vacation on cape cod and uh just it was a very relaxing day i started to string some pars together and uh, and uh i just there wasn't a single green that i either didn't hit or come close to and my chipping game putting game was on so I, I might have got a couple bogeys, but I got a couple birdies too. And here I, you know, I finished, and I didn't even think about shooting shooting my age. But I was just so I was basking in the beauty of such a great round of golf. And uh, all of a sudden, it came to me. I think I was seventy one, and I'd shot a seventy. And uh, I thought, oh my word! And then I, I realized that I'd done what I thought was the impossible up to that point.
1: <laughs> well, let me just say this before I close. I don't know many people in life more conservative than Dick Canodal. I don't know, certainly don't know anyone who's a thoughtful conservative as much as Dick Canodal, and I mean that theologically and politically. And I also know that for virtually all of my life, that if I was in need, I could call Dick Canodal. Thank you. Do you have any friends who are unpredictable, strong-willed, opinionated, maybe a bit too honest, and certainly <laughs> challenging to the status quo? <laughs> many people I don't know. I, I
2: don't know which side of you you're on, John. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> many there people. do you <laughs> facebook unfriending is a perfect example of this i always cringe when i see a post threatening to unfriend those who don't fit into a category which makes the facebook member uncomfortable if you are voting for trump i'm going to block you if you are a democrat go try to buy a brain with your welfare check you get the idea some of us have friends Who think as we do, play as we do, vote as we do, or go to the same kind of churches, country clubs, or the agnostic, I don't care, societies. We get confused about how others can see things so differently, angry at the news when we see those others making waves, spouting their distaste for our way of living, believing, and voting. Living in a modern culture that seems to want to talk a lot about people's national origins, cultures, racial identity, sexual preferences, and victimization possibilities, I regret that the discussion of ideas and truth seems to be taking a back seat. I've noticed that gravity doesn't seem to care about such things. It's <laughs> real, it's truth. Newton's law of gravitation doesn't have a letter in its formula to account for such things. A Scottish lass is going to fall at the same speed as a Pakistani sheik. The seeking of truth has been the pursuit of thinkers since the beginning of time. What is truth? And then how do things work? Is there something beyond this material world? Can we find a unifying purpose? What happens when we die? In my lifetime, I've seen a complete change in the popular discussion about truth. Science is viewed as the only field with access to real truth, as the dynamics of the material world are weighed, quantified, and put into formulas, and then tested with the scientific method. If you can't put it under a microscope, taste, touch, or smell it, it must just be your opinion, or now your truth. I look forward to the day. When the bigger truths are valued again, when people with different viewpoints help us to think instead of be repulsed, I look forward to people discovering the God and the spiritual world are more real than gravity and seek and seek to have their God correspond to the God, the great I am proclaimed in every faithful church without apology. I leave you with, leave you with two quotes one from an American preacher and one from a British politician. Warren Wearsby said, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. And then Winston Churchill said men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing had happened. It's worth a thought for church. This is John bash go and enjoy God today, won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure and brings us to the end of this
0: edition of Church Hurts And. Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is a shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end. Enjoy God today, won't you?